0: Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome to our season finale! In today's episode, we're talking about a very different kind of Christmas Carol, and I'm joined by Nikki from Trivial Theatre. Last year, 2019, the BBC in the UK and FX in the US joined forces to bring us a Christmas Carol miniseries, the likes of which we've never seen before. It had a huge budget, an amazing British cast, great special effects, a nearly three-hour runtime, and promised a much darker take on the Dickens classic. Well, little did I know just how dark they would take it, because wow, did they go dark. This miniseries is decidedly not for children. This is most definitely an adult take on the story and is so very dark in just about every sense of the word. And while it did make for a very somber viewing experience, it ended up being a lot of fun because I'm talking about it with Nikki. We always have so much fun talking about things together, So that kind of made this whole thing worth it. Well, I guess the first thing is I decided to do this one with you because my first thought was to do this with Rachel Wagner, because this seemed like the kind of thing that is exactly her jam. Like, first, I thought this was something that we both would love, because this is like Christmas Carol. We both love Christmas Carol. Lavish BBC production. It seemed perfect. (laughs) <laughs> then I found out she'd seen it and had no interest in revisiting it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so. I'm glad but, you brought me on. <laughs> when I started hearing more and more things about it, people disliking it, I was like, well, maybe I know somebody who would like to talk about a bad version. <laughs> 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 Even though I thought this was going to be like an amazing version. And right now I'm kind of split on it because, on the one hand, this is a really well-made production.
1: Oh, it's absolutely gorgeous. But you look at the names behind it, and at least from a production standpoint, like the visuals and the way the story is told, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better, a better team. I mean, mm-hmm. they had a ton of executive producers. It was like Ridley Scott and, um, well, I mean, Tom Hardy's an actor, but um, David Zucker and the names on this were just like, wow. You've, I mean, you've got some hard-hitting talent in that particular respect.
0: Mm -hmm. the thing that kind of brings it down for me is the script
1: (laughs) yeah it was i read a review that said that it's a 21st century mentality um set in victorian era and i really think that does describe it Mm -hmm. whether you're talking the swearing whether you're talking the the kind of the way that it lays out and i i enjoyed it generally and obviously we'll get into it as we go along but I always kind of wondered like how someone that was more of a Christmas carol purist would feel about it because it does lack a lot of the stuff. There mm-hmm. is no God bless us, everyone. There is no kind of resolution when it comes to Scrooge and his nephew. It's just kind of, you know, oh, it just I kind of. ends.
0: Think of that. They didn't, ne- they never did go back to his nephew. No. Ah, one more thing to add to my list of disappointments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that I thought about was. The story is so well-known. You know, it is a story that, like, and, and with that big of a production, it needs to stand out maybe a little bit. You know, how many versions? Of, there's got to be just a crazy mm. amount of versions. Yeah. This did take a step away. And I, I like I say, I, I kind of, I appreciate, like, one part of me was like, oh, God, they left out this, and they included that, and they did dive into a lot of interesting areas. The other side of me was, you know, I enjoyed the fact that it was something a little different. It's kind of like when they do Disney remakes or live remakes. Mm-hmm. You get the good ones are not the ones that, you know, like Lion King. It doesn't copy it, you know, frame for frame. You do have some variation. You learn more about the characters. You get a different story containing the same characters.
0: Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I did appreciate that about it. I think my biggest thing with this one, though, is it's just not very hopeful. no. <laughs> Like that's one of the main points of a Christmas carol is just like hope for humanity, I guess. Yeah, and that's true. by the end it's uplifting and I did not feel that way at the end.
1: I I got the sense a little bit and again this is I, I love the Christmas. I love a Christmas carol, but it's not something that I live and die by, I guess. Mm. Um the idea like that that mentality the way it ends does have a very kind of like real world for that for the Mm -hmm. victorian era it ends that kind of a way and as christmas carol it should end more upbeat or more hopeful but Mm -hmm. you did get some good resolutions it just it's more of a it's not even ambiguous it's just kind of uh it leaves you with a we're not quite sure what's going on or what's going to happen next it's unknown you know opportunities could be good scrooge could hopefully change
0: with, with the changes they made to the main story throughout, the ending made perfect sense, and in that respect I liked how they ended it, because with the changes they made to Scrooge's character and the things that he did I, I, by the end I was thinking <laughs> I mean, I had the same opinion that Scrooge himself had, he does not deserve redemption yeah. because of the stuff that he did and in that respect I guess I'm fine with them not giving you the hopeful ending but I guess my the problem is that I didn't want the changes that they made to his oh, character no. to begin with.
1: Understood. And the when they when they first brought up Mary's whole kind of the, the stuff that she did, you're kind of thinking, oh, come on." Mm-hmm. Of all this stuff, you know, most of it, like the the fact that they dive into more of um, Scrooge's character was was kind of neat. You get you get some of the why, and obviously, they're not saying we don't condone what he's doing. But here's some of the why as to what he is and how that kind of traced through. But yeah, the changes to Mary's character, you kind of look at her and go, oh, God. And then knowing that she didn't do what you assume that she did Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was a test, that that whole bit got a little muddy. And then the Mm -hmm. very end with her, I I get what they were going for, but it's like, eh, I don't know.
0: Well, let's, let's get into the story and then we can stop being vague about the, the <laughs> things we're talking about.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah.
0: So you open the story with Jacob Marley's grave and there's this teenager who comes up and starts peeing on the grave. <laughs> so like right away, you know, this is not your average Christmas carol story.
1: Not an unfair response though, given what ultimately happens.
0: Yeah, once you find out who he is and why it's more understandable i just thought it was a very (laughs) weird way to open this story and then having him down in the grave waking up because he's being dripped on like (laughs) i know this is fantasy but like it would not leak down six feet and come through as actual liquid into the coffin (laughs) it would just get soaked up by the ground
1: (laughs) ideally speaking that would be the case (laughs) <laughs> but when the kid first showed up, I did think, "Okay, I was trying to figure out who he was." At first, I was thinking, "Okay, that's clearly not one of Cratchit's kids. Mm-hmm. It's clearly not Scrooge. Who who is that?" I didn't make the connection. Like even when I saw him later, I thought, "Oh, who is this kid?" And then it's like, "Oh, right, duh." Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I forgot about him by the end of the first episode, and it's not till episode three that you figure out who he is. So
1: yeah, yeah. I will say I did really like and obviously you're in England you're in London you can and you've got a lot of the historic buildings to be able to work with but it was such a well like it was beautifully shot I mean it fit Mm -hmm. every part of it felt like from that era
0: yeah I have no complaints as far as cinematography Mm -hmm. it just it looked really well it was very dark but that's the point of their interpretation of the story so I'm not going to knock it for that but other than that it looked really good
1: mm-hmm. it did very much very much it was interesting for scrooge to be a germaphobe and he kind of does the ocd thing later with the um like counting off how many times uh there's a wagon that goes by and how many times that that wagon went by and then kids mm-hmm. singing and things like that that was i don't know if that was and it's brought up later too but um
0: well i couldn't figure out exactly what he was doing there but then later he's telling bob to write a letter of complaint about all the noise and he has the numbers written down about how many times each noise happened outside his window that's why he was counting but it still seemed very i guess like you said ocd
1: yeah well and later too when when uh, i think it was the ghost of christmas past um he was asking him like what like how much he made and how much his where expenses were over the course of various years and it was brought back up there too so I'm, I'm guessing an analytical mind, if nothing else.
0: He had a very good mind for numbers because he remembered a whole lot of stuff that I would never remember. <laughs>
1: <Same>. <laughs> can't remember what I had for breakfast. <laughs> and, and the fact that Scrooge was Guy Pearce. Like, I mm. didn't get that at first.
0: <laughs> Did you recognize much of the cast?
1: Um, I recognize some of them. Um, You know, there's a lot of really well-known British actors. Like, you might say... I didn't know them by name, but I could say, oh, this, this guy, I remember him from Doctor Who or or this person from, you know, whatever other show. Mm-hmm. So it was more a passing glance at knowing that they mm-hmm. were in something or knowing what they were in, but not necessarily their names.
0: That's how I felt because everyone looked maybe vaguely familiar. So I would read through their IMDb page and I would recognize one or two titles, but nothing that I was like super familiar with.
1: Yeah. And and the one thing with not all British TV, but a lot of it, you'll have a lot of crossover. So you'll see someone in a movie, but they'll also be acting in a TV show at the same mm-hmm. time. So, you know, they're, they're in this massive film, but then they're in this relatively low key show and it's like, wow, to balance both of those.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I noticed that a few times mm-hmm. and a lot of them were in shows that I had seen like years ago. Like I think the ghost of Christmas future is the main character in a show called primeval that i was obsessed with years ago
1: that's a great show
0: i loved that show i miss it still
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's one thing about british shows they never quite last as long as they probably should
0: yeah it's
1: funny the the guy that was supposed to play ghost of christmas future was actually um supposed to be rudger howard so he was um one Mm. of the main replicants from uh, blade runner but he died before um he could do stuff so
0: okay well the ghost of christmas future wore so much makeup and never spoke anything so it all i don't want to say it didn't matter who played him but that's an easier person to recast if something happens because they're just there for presents
1: oh yeah yeah it's about that brrr presence more than anything else mm-hmm. yeah definitely not the scrooged uh, ghost of christmas
0: future that's a version I still haven't seen. Oh. These days I'll get to that one. It's on my list. <laughs> I've been told multiple times I should see that one.
1: It is. You think this is different? That one, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very 90s Bill Murray-esque version of uh, A Christmas Carol.
0: <laughs> okay. But well worth
1: the watch. Just go I, in knowing that you're going to get your money's worth on that one.
0: <laughs> I'm all for very different versions. Like I have no problem with people <laughs> changing the story completely. There's one kinda cheesy but so very watchable version called a diva's Christmas Carol oh,
1: that nice.
0: Rachel got me on to. It stars a, a person playing Ebony Scrooge oh goodness who is a singer <laughs> it, it's it's good actually. It's it's not like theatrical quality amazing but it's a good TV movie.
1: Nice. And that's worth something too I mean you don't have to have a, a giant budgeted thing in order to have a good a good solid story
0: yeah no definitely i I would say that as good as this one's production values was i am far more likely to revisit a diva's christmas
1: (laughs) 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 see and i feel like christmas wise you know you have your set movies that you've watched forever i would actually consider adding this i i'm intrigued by some of the background stuff like there was there was bits of history that i was trying to look up as it was going along like um at one point there was a, a fire listed against like that had been sort of caused by Ebenezer Scrooge. And I um went back looking through fires of that era and I, you know, it's probably one of those things that there were so many back then that, you know, you couldn't keep track, but some of that stuff I was looking for as far as like, like historical precedent, because it felt like it, it had enough detail where you kind of go, Oh, okay. They went back into historical record and they found things that sort of at least matched up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, Another kind of big change that they made, you mentioned the fire, but there was a lot of stuff that happened to people of this town because Scrooge is not just a money lender; He's like a huge business presence. Mm-hmm. And he owns a lot of like sweatshops, coal mines, things that are bad for the workers. And he very much exploits people.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Much more than you would normally think just thinking back on like different versions of Scrooge, this guy is he's basically evil.
1: Yes. He says that he um doesn't deserve redemption and he's not just whistling Dixie.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the end, I agreed with him. <laughs> I, I did not have very much sympathy for him. And I feel like you kind of need to have a little sympathy for Scrooge. Oh yeah. Just a little. Just a yeah. little. <laughs>
1: Well, and when we get to it a little bit later, like the way everything plays out at the end, especially seeing how Mary reacts to him, you almost wish that he had like kind of done the turkey thing like long distance as mm. compared to being in their house when he clearly knew what had all happened and whatnot. So
0: yeah, that did add an extra layer of awkward. There yes. Oh my God. So awkward. awkward. <laughs>
1: So I meet up with uh they're they're at church and they start the whole, oh, you know, join us for this, but then Cratchit has to work
0: on mm-hmm. Christmas
1: Eve, and uh Scrooge lays out four pieces of coal, he's being extra generous.
0: <laughs> oh, very generous.
1: Oh yeah, roaring fire, easily.
0: Yeah, the his it's so cold in there that Cratchit's ink is frozen. Yes. <laughs> Which I guess that makes sense, but I've never heard of ink freezing, but I don't use like actual ink so (laughs) Mm. this is also where he's counting the noises outside he's talking to himself but it's also clear that he's talking to marley even though marley is not there
1: yeah the dust on the desk was an interest like it was a kind of a cool thing that nothing had been touched and i maybe goes to show you the relationship that they had like it was a very strong relationship everything he left everything as it was meant to be hmm so um there's the part where we actually get like a ton with marley i Mm -hmm. i kind of again i I kind of like the fact that you got like marley's kind of side of things like it was almost told sort of from his perspective a little bit
0: it was kind of strange in that marley's fate was tied with scrooges so like marley was going to be redeemed as well if Scrooge was redeemed, which is a new layer to the story that I don't remember seeing in any other version, Marley yeah. just—he's screwed in all the yeah, other exactly. versions.
1: <laughs> but you know, you look too at what they did together, and at least the way that they that they tied them together in life, they were kind of tied together in death too, yeah. to some extent.
0: Yeah. Now it made sense, and as much as it felt sort of semi fan fictiony, I did like the details that they were adding.
1: Yeah, yeah. The um, the forest of, like, Christmas trees.
0: And there was toys in there, too.
1: I really enjoyed the set design for that. It was ominous, and yet there's a giant roaring fire in the distance. And mm-hmm. Andy Circus awaits.
0: <laughs> yes, Andy Circus is, like, the most recognizable person in this, for me at least.
1: Oh, yeah. No, agreed, agreed. He's been in the most stuff. He's definitely the most versatile actor, and I think.
0: Mm-hmm. He plays the ghost of Christmas past, and <laughs> he... His look, he almost looked more like the Ghost of Christmas Future, but sort of crossed with, I think his name is like King Theoden in Lord of the Rings.
1: Oh, yep, yep. (laughs) He kind of had some Jesus uh, imagery going on there, too, with the uh, uh, crown of thorns.
0: Yeah, I noticed that, too. There was also a bird skull in the crown of thorns.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he's also the... um... The the one wizard from Lord of the Rings. We never really see him per se. I think we see him more in uh he was a wizard with Gandalf, uh, but he was something the brown. And he had like a Ran bird's against. nest. Yeah, yeah. He had a bird's nest under his hat.
0: Yeah, he was in the hobbit. Yeah. The crazy wizard.
1: Yeah. I was thinking though, so like there's a I think it was the cartoon version where you saw the ghost of Christmas pass and he was jolly and and very kind of like he had a wreath um of you like a like a, a pine wreath on his head he was super well, jolly in and
0: most versions the ghost of christmas present is the big jolly one
1: oh, they split, the they on his
0: head. that's why i was saying that the ghost of christmas past reminded me more of the ghost of christmas present except fused with like king theoden or maybe oh, right. not a guest he just he didn't Seem like the ghost of Christmas past because the ghost of Christmas past. I mean, really, the ghost in this version, the ghost of Christmas present and past seem to be switched because the person who ends up being the ghost of Christmas present would have been more fitting for the ghost of Christmas past. Going by most interpretations of the character
1: right, right, very true, very true. and they spent a ton of time with the Ghost of Christmas past yeah like that had to be like I kept watching and the the whole movie was about three hours long mm-hmm. and I was sitting there watching it and we got down to like I don't know like an hour left, and we were still on the Ghost of Christmas past they almost they didn't run through the rest of it. It got a little mm-hmm. speedy at the end, but I yeah. was surprised how much time they spent on the Ghost of Christmas past.
0: It seems like a lot of versions speed things up at the end. And I kind of hoped that we'd get more from the last ghost. Yeah. Because they don't seem to spend very much time with ghost of Christmas future in most versions. And there's a lot of interesting stuff that could be taken from the book for scenes with the ghost of Christmas future, but they didn't do much with him. Yeah. But that's kind of par for the course for a lot of versions.
1: Yeah. Well, at least you know they're cu- they're following that part of it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: but yeah. So um, I did like the chain work that they did on Marley too, like the way that they attached all the chains and kind of the because uh, he every they always say that it's been you know each uh, link is forged for someone that you've wronged, but being that those those links were shown being made as far as the things that Marley had done in real life, as far as um the workers in some of his, the places that he owned and the places that were affected because of their, they, they cut back on all the safety precautions and all those kind of things. I thought that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. There's like an actual blacksmith making his chains for him. You get that a whole scene with that, with the explanation for the chains, which was an interesting twist to the story.
1: It was. So then Marley, I guess shows up to, um, to talk to
0: Scrooge. Yes. I guess he takes this sleigh. Well, backing up, when he's still in the grave, he says that he wants to make amends. He says, tell me what I must do to make amends and I will do it. And then there's this bell that's ringing that says, hope and longing, purgatory England. And that's when he's taken down to the blacksmith who makes the chains and then he winds up in this forest. And he takes a carriage back to the real world, I guess. And the carriage says the same message that was on the bell that was ringing when he said he wanted to make amends hope and longing purgatory england
1: and i don't remember that anything regarding that from the book i i didn't think there was any part of that
0: well i don't i don't think that there was anything about the hows and whys of marley's death (laughs) and coming back to life in the book to begin with this is all stuff that they've Made up for themselves.
1: Yeah. It was only a novella after all. So,
0: yeah. Well, I guess we should talk about kind of what happens before the whole thing at home, too, because Scrooge and Cratchit have, I think they have multiple scenes together, and Cratchit wants to go home early because it's Christmas Eve, and Scrooge wants him to stay until four, I believe. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get him saying, once Bob has finished all of those regular work that's when he gives him this letter that he has to write to complain about all the noise
1: and it was you definitely had some interesting conversations like they were very candid conversations between the two of them Mm -hmm. just regarding you know like almost they're not philosophical in a traditional sense but they're definitely not conversations that would have been had by victorian people it had a very 21st century mentality and into how they did that
0: i didn't really think of it that way but you're right the main thing that I was focused on was like Bob. He doesn't come right out and say that he hates Scrooge, but he doesn't really hide his feelings in no. the things that he says to him. He's very much more forthright than you would expect.
1: Agreed, agreed. And I think that's sort of that. I mean, all the characters. You look at the things that um, Ebenezer's sister does at the at the um, boarding school later on in the movie. The sensibilities of uh, Mary Cratchit and what she does, there is a lot more kind of like you say forthcoming things that weren't wouldn't have been common in uh, Victorian England
0: Mhm and uh, somewhere in here you get the visit with Fred, and Fred tells Scrooge that before his mother had died, she had told him to forgive Scrooge, he's just in pain, something like he has a very old pain or something yep, like
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. You must be patient with him,
0: yeah. And by the end of that conversation, he basically says that this is the last time he'll ever invite him to dinner at his wife's insistence. <laughs> and then he leaves, uh, saying something like, Merry Christmas, Uncle Ebenezer, I doubt I'll ever see you again on this earth.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Which is kind of a new wrinkle in that, because Fred, as, as far as I remember, in most versions, he's a much more upbeat character than this version
1: oh totally he's an eternal optimist
0: yes and he was not that in this version no.
1: also the fact that they changed and i understand why given what it means but they changed Ebenezer's or sister's name from fanny to lottie
0: oh yeah
1: we see bob cratchit's family like tiny tim is it is tiny but it's more because he has a form of dwarfism not so no. much because he has a bad leg
0: yeah, I thought that was an interesting twist, too. I don't remember seeing that in any other version.
1: No, definitely not. And when they say they say Tiny, I mean, they weren't just whistling Dixie. He was quite small.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> he was actually nine. I couldn't believe he was nine. It's like, wow, he looks about, you know, five.
0: Yeah, no, I thought there was another part where they talk about going seven years before. And at first I thought that they were talking about when Tiny Tim was born and so i thought he was seven and then i realized later no tiny tim is nine Mm -hmm. because of something else i don't remember exactly what i just remember realizing that he's not seven he's nine but he looks a lot younger than nine
1: yeah yeah and that might be a little bit because of his condition as well so
0: yeah at some point in here there's this weird scene where he hears like this rustling in the fireplace and two coins fall out and he recognizes them as the coins that he put on Marley's eyes before Marley was buried. Because yeah, he
1: always notes the dates. <laughs>
0: yeah. At first I was, I was thinking like, why does he recognize them? But you're right about the dates. Cause he has, he has a mind for numbers. So that, mm-hmm. I guess that's why. And there's these caroling children outside and Bob is telling him he should give the coins to these kids. And he goes outside. He tells them to go away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that is one thing too. We get, um, the, the amount of times that the word fuck appears in this, you know, you, you have a certain amount of expectations of, you know, you're bringing it up to a modern date, you're going to see more stuff. But hearing that is about as you would expect to see that as much as you'd expect to see boobs. You know, it, it just it's, it's a Christmas carol. You don't expect that.
0: No. And the, the way that they used the word and the frequency, like not that they used it all the time, it felt out of place it felt too much like they were trying to be as edgy as possible like Agreed. we're not your grandma's christmas carol <laughs> <laughs> well
1: just thinking about it we do get a, a naked butt later too
0: yeah that also felt very out of place
1: yeah it was unnes- it was unnecessary for what this was yeah. you know, and even given i mean it, it aired on it aired on the bbc and it aired on fx which mm-hmm. FX you would expect a little bit more edgy, but even given that it was a little bit, it was unnecessary.
0: Yeah. No, I expected it to be darker because it's supposed to be like a bit of a darker take, but it went dark in ways that I was not expecting and did not feel needed.
1: Yeah. That would be a great tagline though. This isn't your grandmother's Christmas Carol.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't watch this with any of, with either of my <laughs> grandmas.
1: I don't blame you. Don't blame me at all.
0: You have the whole scene where he wants to leave, but he doesn't want to go home before four because he feels like that would be celebrating Christmas. So he's oh, like right. telling the clock to lie to him because <laughs> I don't know. He's, he, it's, it seems kind of dumb, <laughs> but he, <laughs> he winds his watch forward and it looks like maybe he changed the time like for real. I don't know if I don't know if I was reading too much into that or not, but it seemed like it got darker because he wound his watch forward.
1: I don't and, know if I, that was more the case of like um rushing along the things that were going to happen, you know, kind of a foreboding thing of there are things coming, kind of a thing, or
0: it could be. Like I said, maybe I was reading a bit too much into it. I just felt like it seemed too coincidental that it got darker when he was winding his watch. <laughs> felt yeah. like he was speeding things along because <laughs> he actually wanted it to speed along. Yeah, true. And I think through here, you're kind of going back and forth between Scrooge and Bob going home. And you have Tiny Tim writing a letter to his mother's cousin Jack in America, thanking him for saving his life. And they're going to mail it, but you know that something is off here because Mary's acting weird.
1: Yes, very much.
0: They're talking about like the spelling of the cousin's name, and Bob thinks it keeps changing. And Mary takes the letter saying that she's going to send it, but she ends up throwing it into a fire and crying without anyone seeing her. Right. You know, something is going on. And I thought, I, I thought I knew where this was going. It turned out I was wrong.
1: <laughs> because certainly, I, I certainly didn't know where it was going at that point.
0: Well, somewhere in here, they talk about this person had given them money to save Tim's life. So the whole thing about her burning the letter and you realize pretty quickly that there is no actual cousin Jack you figure she had to get the money somewhere? I thought maybe that she was secretly a prostitute. And I was like, they're taking this into a way too dark of a place. I, yeah. I was not happy. And now it's like, knowing what actually happened, I don't know if I would prefer the <laughs> prostitution or not. <laughs> well, they- <laughs> so bad because uh, you find out later what happened. And ugh, yeah, anyway.
1: Yeah, it gets it gets... I'm glad it didn't go in the direction of her being a prostitute because that was yeah, no, that, again that definitely would have been. Th- there are there are limits. It would be like you know making you know Ebenezer a you know a a pimp on the side or something like that. Not that he didn't do a lot of other terrible stuff, mm-hmm. but that there are certain limits that you ha- still have to hold to keep it what it is. Yeah. Um. The way that they describe kind of Scrooge's mentality, I, I he's a man of. "Quote unquote logic and science and all that stuff," and it was an interesting way that they did that, but it felt forced, I guess. Like the reasoning yeah. for him, it's like they started with the end result of okay, we're gonna push it where Mary offers her body, but and then they had to work back from that.
0: The whole thing with the science, like the science thing running through as a thread, it didn't make enough sense. Like I know what they were going for, but I don't think that they did it well enough to make it make sense
1: yeah i i will say like the he had an excuse for everything like when yeah. he did something wrong he had an excuse for that when the ghosts were coming to see him he had excuses for that which you know run through the course of the original story as well mm. but yeah they took that premise and they cranked it up to 11 without having the power yeah. to to back up the the wanting to crank it to 11
0: yeah Anyway, you have Scrooge going home, and you get a scene with two charity men, but they're, like, on the street instead of coming to visit Scrooge. So I guess they're just paying homage to that scene instead of actually doing the scene. Yeah. And when he gets home, this is where he finds this carriage waiting outside his house. And he talks to the horses. Like, you can tell that he likes horses. Like, that's a thing running through the whole mini series too. And he asks the horses who left them here. You can tell he's like kind of worried about them just slightly. Like that seems to be his only redeeming quality is he likes horses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's got that, you know, screw humanity, but you know, love all animals kind of a thing. In another life, he would have been vegan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably.
1: In a good way, not like a weird way. At least from that perspective of liking animals, but not the hating humanity thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So he ends up going to the door. You get the whole scene of him seeing Marley's face in the door and he ends up breaking the door knocker. I don't don't know if he broke (laughs) it, but it broke off. Like the bottom jaw of the lion-Marley hybrid thing that it looked like.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) He goes inside to eat and he hears noises and he finds a human jaw on the ground which was gross and disturbing
1: yeah and then you see you see poor marley sitting there without a lower jaw and uh i mean it was a well-done appliance they they certainly did their due diligence to do it justice
0: Uh but uh
1: it's still a christmas carol
0: (laughs) it was worse than the version like the 2009 disney version i always thought was like the most disturbing one because of the the jaw is not broken off, but it's like hanging limp, Ooh. and that that's that's creepy in a different way. This was just kind of gross, creepy. Yeah. So it just it goes on the list of gross, <laughs> disturbing for different reasons.
1: <laughs> they, they took ghost story a little bit too far in this particular respect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, then he uh, he's trying to prove that to scrooge that he is actually marley and not an undigested piece of was it meat or pork
0: yeah th- that they had two different expl- explanations because at one point he says that he's not eaten all day so he thinks that's why he's seeing things but then later he's talking about the he the line from the book the undigested bit of beef mm, right whatever, whatever the the exact line was he he says basically the same thing as the book says it was like well which is it did he not eat or did he eat <laughs>
1: <laughs> well then there's a bit in there too a little bit later where um he uh hadn't touched the sherry since the housekeeper had been there yeah. and there was some laudanum he thought that maybe there was laudanum put in there to, to um to make him off balance and whatnot so
0: maybe mm-hmm. that just
1: confused him could blame booze <laughs>
0: Well, at some point there's like an explosion outside and I think Marley says something about the spirits have a little show for him. And I thought that this was going to be some sort of a war flashback, but apparently it's a factory that Scrooge and Marley owned and he was trying to save money and they didn't fix a gas leak or a gas problem. And it resulted in this big explosion that killed all these people. And I guess that's probably where a lot of the links in Marley's chain came from.
1: All that and the mine and... Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. get to the mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're responsible for a lot of death, which is a new thing to this version.
1: But given the time, I think from a, Victor- from a historical perspective, I think that that generally makes sense because there were a lot mm, of pe- yes. people that pulled those kind of shenanigans.
0: Yes, that is true.
1: So then uh, he's told that he's going to be visited by three ghosts and then a random mouse shows up.
0: yeah, the first night I don't remember if it was the same night or the next night they the The timeline didn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: no, that's because you had too much sherry and laudanum going on for you <laughs>
0: they, they were talking like there would be a ghost every night, but the ghosts it was two nights, and then time wound i'm pretty sure i I'm I'm, I'm I'm not hundred percent clear which given the nature of the story i don't think it matters that much i just thought it was kind of weird that i didn't know that for sure
1: no understood understood
0: but yeah the somewhere in here the first when before the first ghost comes there is a mouse i think marley goes back and reports to past what happened and then past leaves to come visit but there's a mouse first and i yes at first I thought that it was the ghost of Christmas past taking the form of a mouse. And I'm still not a hundred percent sure that's not what happened. Cause the ghost of Christmas past took on a bunch of different forms. He did. So I don't know. The mouse was a key part of Scrooge's tragic backstory that explains why he's a bad person.
1: <laughs> that's It's a start of why he was a bad person. After that he had choices, but he chose to be
0: yeah.
1: bad, I guess. Yeah.
0: And the, the mouse's name was Erasmus.
1: Yes. Well, that's a great name. I mean. I
0: like I liked the name. I thought it was <laughs> kind of a weirdly specific name to give the mouse, but I liked it.
1: <laughs> well, what other name would you give a mouse, a white mouse with a uh, bell around its neck?
0: He, he could have called him Erasmouse. <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go. I like that. that. That's a missed opportunity right there. I tell you. Uh, and he like he's
0: not the kind of person to make puns.
1: No, well, you I'm proud of you. You did a good one. I'm <laughs> very proud of you. Um then he throws this, Did he, he threw the mouse out the window and it hit the the snowbank outside.
0: At first I was horrified, but then I was like it was I don't know if it was supposed to be funny, but there was this guy walking <laughs> by. <laughs> and this reaction is <laughs> like, was that supposed to be funny? Because even though it was terrible, I laughed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, and then you got, follow that up with, um, it was really interesting because you start to hear um, the song Molly Malone. They keep repeating back and forth. Uh, there's, there's a chorus that goes alive, alive, oh. And Scrooge keeps on saying alive. And then the voice in the distance keeps on singing alive, alive, oh. And it was kind of a cool back and forth between the two of them. And it turns out that it's um, Scrooge's dad, who was an absolute miser and thief and just a terrible, terrible person.
0: Mm -hmm. At this point, I would say his father was much worse than Scrooge was. But then Scrooge ends up being responsible for a ton of death and other things. So I I don't know which is worse. But Scrooge's father, in particular, was absolutely appallingly awful to Scrooge himself. So... In that respect, he was worse than Scrooge and is the reason that Scrooge is Scrooge.
1: Yes, very much so. And at one point in the shadows, you see um Scrooge's dad offing the mouse and there's, it's kind of nasty,
0: <laughs> yeah, like even
1: in I, shadow form.
0: I, I don't remember exactly what happened because I was in the middle of writing something and I looked down and... When I looked back up, I realized something terrible had happened and I did not bother rewinding to find out what
1: No, it was. no. I, I think it his his throat was slit or something. because so, there was there was blood that splattered. So Yeah. But the whole thing absolutely um Ebenezer was hiding behind his his bed, like the, the bed curtains
0: mm-hmm. and
1: he he really regressed to a small child, like the way that he reacted to it. Mm-hmm. And the words that he said. He I mean, Guy Pierce did a great job kind of embodying that part of it.
0: Yeah. So the acting in this was great.
1: Oh, yeah. Very good. I mean, I don't think... Th- I, I would say that most, I, most if not all, the actors were on point as far as what they were set out to do. But again, mm-hmm. you look at where this the, the level of production in this movie was not lacking. Yeah. It, it couldn't.
0: No. As far as a production, this is nearly flawless.
1: Agreed. With the exception of scripting. <laughs> but I think all of it yeah. was intentional. So,
0: For what they were trying to do, I should say. Yeah, the things that i did not like about this were things that they did on purpose it wasn't like mistakes or bad quality of anything it was right. the choices they made that i did not like
1: right agreed 100 percent. so then after uh ebenezer's dad disappears ghost of christmas past shows up and gives him the whole layout and trying to talk him into being a better person and all that kind of stuff and where do they
0: head first is it well is first a, he turns into Alibaba. Oh that's right. The book Alibaba and the 40 thieves which apparently was Scrooge's favorite childhood book that he used to escape from bad situations by just reading the book and getting lost in it. Yeah. So for for quite a while the ghost of Christmas past is Alibaba from this book. Yes. And they go back in time to the boarding school and they ride camels through the snow. <laughs> Which was weird, but I liked the visual.
1: <laughs> yeah, the visual was excellent. And later at the very, very end, I noticed, because um, I had captions. I think it was Hulu just put on captions for me. And I was like, oh, okay, well, leave him on. But there was a guy mentioning riding camels through the snow.
0: I noticed that too, because I turned on the captions at the end so I could make out something that they someone was saying. And then I noticed that a few minutes later. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> a callback to that. But I didn't really understand why they were calling back to that because it was be somebody passing the street.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, we get him in the middle of his book, and he's sitting there reading, and it's Christmas, and the the headmaster comes in and tells. Well, okay. Out,
0: um, oh, outside, before they went inside, the headmaster walks by, and you get a very strange. At the time, you don't know why, but Scrooge tries to put an axe through his head, and. <laughs> That's right. find out later why but at that point i was like what <laughs> so he as a child was forced to stay at this school at christmas every year his father made up a new excuse but then you find out why and it's another reason why his father is an awful person
1: yes and you don't have to guess you don't have to go far there's one position where uh, scrooge is looking out the window and the headmaster is behind him in a certain way and that tells you right there all you need to know. If you didn't, if you couldn't pick it up on it before that, you definitely get it then.
0: No, they ne- they never come right out and say what's going on, but you know what's going on. Yeah. Basically, the headmaster is apparently a pedophile, and his father knew this and just let him have Scrooge.
1: Yep. He waived the school fees. <laughs> Waiving
0: school fees, he just let him keep Scrooge for Christmas. Oof. Hmm. Which is a very
1: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> again, Christmas probably so-
0: <laughs> It's such a twisted creep creepy thing to add into a Christmas carol.
1: Yes, very much.
0: I, I understand wanting to give him a tragic backstory, but like at that point it's it's getting too dark for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. And historically I don't know where that would have set. Like if that was something that happened. Or if it would just have been one of those things that they added because shock value. And again, like you talked about giving him the worst possible kind of backstory a person mm-hmm. could have without putting a kid in literal slavery, which that is a, a in that same realm of stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was historical precedence for that. Because you hear about that kind of thing happening with priests. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if school headmasters were just as susceptible to that kind of evil but yeah I, I don't you don't read about that as much as you read about priests doing right. that
1: and you don't read about it in Charles Dickens
0: <laughs> no no I don't I don't remember that coming up at all in any of the Dickens that I have read I haven't read all Dickens but I would remember if I read something like that yeah
1: well, and I'm sure as of that time, I mean, you look at the way things are now, you didn't mention a lot of stuff until the past, you know, 50 years, if that. So I mm-hmm. imagine if that stuff happened, it stayed well and truly under wraps.
0: Yeah. Yes, probably.
1: Because you even think about the power that Scrooge wielded as an adult, you know, the money that he had and the influence that he had. And he never spoke of any of it. Mm-hmm. So that goes to show you how deeply it affected him. So then uh, he gets, his sister shows up to pick him up and the dad left. So her and the mom were able to come and get Scrooge and save him. She sends Scrooge downstairs and she basically points a gun at the headmaster and says, we are leaving. You will not follow. If I ever see you, I will shoot you. And Scrooge doesn't see any of this. He just assumes that they're able to leave or they couldn't pay fees And uh, he never knows what the sacrifice his sister made for him.
0: Mm -hmm. That was another thing that I thought was weird and didn't make enough sense. Like, they should have explained it better. But Scrooge is basically, like, shut off. Like, he doesn't, like, not that he knew what happened to be able to express gratitude, but he doesn't really even look at her. He's just basically cold from then on. Yep. Like, not that what he went through wouldn't, like, harden him, but... I don't know. I felt like there should be more explanation of him basically ignoring his sister, even though, because, like, it had been happening for years. He knew it was about to happen again. His sister comes in and takes him away. That, at the very least, should net her some gratitude. Yeah. And he gave her nothing.
1: Right, right. It was less than nothing, honestly. I mean, to not even, yeah, to be safe from that situation, though, I suppose not knowing the reason for the situation and... Mm -hmm. I don't know. It it was an odd I understood it on the surface like they were going for the dramatic tension between the siblings, but in grand scheme, it it didn't really make a ton of sense.
0: Mm -hmm. So. I feel like I don't know if they could have rewritten it to be better, but like, I wanted it to make more sense. (laughs) I wanted to like the scene more, but yeah, I, I don't know.
1: Well, and I don't know if trying to like, she says something that in some way, shape, or form, insults Ebenezer in that moment. Even though you know he was taken from this terrible situation, I don't know. Maybe he was so abused that it just everything else just kind of went away. Like say he just turned off.
0: Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what they were going for.
1: I would imagine that would have to be what it was. I did have to laugh just from a <laughs> from a very general perspective. So in the original or the Star Wars prequels, they had Anakin became Annie. And in this, Ebenezer became Ebby.
0: <laughs> I've noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> that, it it reminds me of a different version that I've seen where there was a female Scrooge and her name was Ebby. <laughs> 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 I don't think they were referencing that. It just was kind of funny.
1: No, it was a total pet name, but it was still, you know, a a term of endearment, but it was still just like, oh, God, no! (laughs) (laughs) Phantom Menace flashbacks!
0: (laughs) I didn't even make a Phantom Menace connection, but yeah, it does (laughs) does seem kind of like that nickname.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, how else are you going to shorten Ebenezer? I don't think there'd be any good way to do it, but...
0: Lil Kneezy.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> His right name could be like a Knees, Knees, Little Kneezer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a 1940s cartoon character.
1: Oh, God. Wow. No, I'm sure little that they're probably... <laughs> Isn't go. there
0: like a mouse called like Little Sneezer? <laughs> That's probably uh, what I'm thinking that.
1: <laughs> possibly. <laughs> with the boarding the the boarding school section scrooge doesn't want to go in but um the ghost of christmas past says you know you remember the good stuff that happened here see it from an outside perspective and when they get out he says you know i, I don't i didn't know that she did all this stuff for me so he has that moment of, of of gratitude of knowing what was done but then it gets turned around and he kind of falls back into his old ways
0: Mm-hmm. he basically uses it as one of his excuses i think
1: exactly and those become relevant like those continue to mount as they go along as far as like oh well you know everyone did this or you know it was marley's fault you know it was just what we did and
0: Mm -hmm. there's always
1: an excuse
0: yes he always has something to try to explain away his actions which while he's never untruthful with it he's just never owning his actions
1: exactly and that's really what it turns into
0: and at some point in here too we have Alibaba becomes the Ghost Christmas Past again, and they have another conversation. There's a lot of conversations. Oh, yeah.
1: They talk a lot.
0: (laughs) And he says something about that they need to go deeper. And Scrooge is sucked into the ground, and the Ghost Christmas Past turns into a miner, and they end up in a coal mine. And this is where you find out more of what his terrible business dealings did. Apparently they cheaped out on timber, Didn't get very good wood to build the mine, and it collapses. But Scrooge, all he's thinking about is this poor horse that ends up getting (laughs) collapsed in the mine too.
1: Well, and it's it's a form of empathy. It's it's an it's an opening. It's a it's a gap in his armor to some extent, which is starting places. And although it needs to be bigger, and you know, the worry about humanity should be there, given everything that happened in his past. He sees everyone both because of his dad and the way that he looked towards Christmas as just being everything with his dad was financial based. Mm-hmm. And then you put that on top of everything that happened to him at Christmas, staying at the boarding school, kind of compacted everything down and made him a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Pointed him on the direction of a terrible person.
0: Yeah. And he doesn't do anything to try and rectify that. He just keeps getting worse and worse.
1: Yep. He goes deeper down the hole.
0: I think the mine thing was supposed to be one of the most recent things because they talk about, like, it was only a few years ago, I think. Yeah. And then they go back in time again. And I think he says they're in his 30th year. And the miner becomes uh, this businessman. I don't think these people that he became had names. I don't remember them being given names. At first, I thought the businessman was going to be Fezziwig. But there was no Fezziwig in this version. No. And... It turns out that this factory that they're going through, I guess they're blackmailing this guy. Like, this guy inherited this factory, and it turns out his father wasn't a good person, so then they're, like, blackmailing this guy, like, they're going to tell everybody what his father did unless he sells them this factory for a pittance, whatever, a tiny amount of money. And then they basically destroy the factory and the lives of the workers.
1: Yep, they shut down the factory factory like four or five days later and put everybody out of a job over Christmas. Yeah. And then they go into um, Ghost of Christmas Past and Ebenezer in the area with all the looms and you see money being printed by the looms or weaved by the looms. And this is where um, Ebenezer can list off every amount of money he made, how much their expenses were, but he didn't obviously remember anything about the people that worked for him. Mm-hmm. It was a riveting section. I really enjoyed that part.
0: The money was being printed on the looms was, I, it was like a metaphor, but like <laughs> the most obvious metaphor.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but he goes on and he tries to justify everything that he did throughout that entire section. You just see him profit profitizing about how mm-hmm. everything that he did and and how Everything was about money and profit and such.
0: Yeah, and then you get to the point where you find out that not all of his evil deeds were for profit. He's just an evil person. Yep. Because past says that he's going to show him something that he did seven Christmases ago that gave rise to the abominable. And let's see. I I wrote down the quote. He says he must look upon the evil that he did that was not even for profit. And it turns out that when they flash back. I thought this was seven years ago. It was not. This was nine years before when Tiny Tim was born. And this is where you see something's wrong with him. And Past says that in the misfortune of people that he's known for years, he saw only opportunity. So this is where you go seven years back because it's Christmas Eve and Tiny Tim needs surgery. I'm guessing he's probably about two at this point. Yep, exactly. Mary Cratchit visits him, tells him that, They need money for the surgery. Bob would never dream of asking him for the money, but Tim needs the surgery or he's going to die and they cannot afford it. It's only 30 pounds. So they're basically destitute. I I know 30 pounds is a lot more back then, but it still seems like an extremely small amount of money. And I'm sure (laughs) it was to Scrooge anyway.
1: Oh, totally. Well, and he said he had, um, when she comes there, he says that he had, he kept taunting her. He's like, I have 537 pounds in my safe yeah. and it was pure profit and he goes on about that and then he basically says that he wants to run an experiment because he has an incredibly analytical mind basically and um he says you will come back here christmas day at whatever time tell your husband that you need to go do something and uh you will do if you will do anything i tell you to do at that point i will give you you know the 30 pounds you need for your son's surgery
0: Hmm. this is where the I guess they've talked sort of about scientific stuff before, but like this is where it becomes like a theme and I didn't think it made a whole lot of sense.
1: Yeah, it goes a little, it goes a little strange. Like it's, you can see what they were aiming for, but they take it in such of a wonky direction. It kind of loses, it's like when a person will, any result, they will say, ha, I I proved this. Because Mm -hmm. she ends up coming back, assuming that what he wants her to do is... He wants to have sex with her. And she gets undressed.
0: That's what she assumes.
1: Yes, yes. Find
0: out later that it's even I don't want to say it's more nefarious than that, but it almost is, even though that's not what he wants. He just he wants her to think that.
1: Right. He wants to see what her limits would be.
0: Yeah, that's his experiment. He wants to see how far she's willing to go. And he's using her as I guess a marker for the entirety of humanity. Saying that, like, if she's willing to do this, then humanity is basically worthless because humanity will do anything for money. But, like, this is a desperate mother with a sick child. This is not, like, a controlled experiment. This is an outlier. She needs money for her kid. And not that I'm a mother, but, like, mothers will pretty much do anything that they have to to ensure the well-being of their children. Oh, 100%. if he was really a scientist, he would know that this is not a good experiment to run because he's not going to get a clean result.
1: Exactly. Well, and again, it was any result he would have gotten, he would have claimed as victory because that's, that's yeah. how he, he is that invested in his own opinion and not that of others. Where even if he, you know, he was, that's why every, all the evidence that he's shown as he goes along, like even the ghosts to, you know, take them outside of the miracle of them showing up. It becomes just a, oh well, you know I can overcome you ghosts that are you know haunt a completely different realm than what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. She holds this terrible secret for seven years, and eventually she tells Bob. Earlier in the movie, they they get into a discussion about uh, something isn't right, and let's get past Christmas, and then I will explain it.
0: Yeah, and this is where you find out what she has not been telling him, which again, like I was assuming all along that she had turned to prostitution and i guess for the sake of her character this is a better result than turning to prostitution but
1: yes
0: (laughs) not for the sake of scrooge's character it takes scrooge's character into a much darker direction than i would have preferred agreed agreed so you follow mary to scrooge's house and she makes it clear that she's only doing this for the life of her child. And he reiterates again about what his experiment is about. And he's saying all this while she's getting undressed. And at some point she's like mostly undressed. And that's when he says that he has no interest in her or in anyone in this way. All he wants is proof of human nature. And he gives her the money and says that that he will not tell Bob what happened as long as she makes sure that he never leaves his employ. Right. Which, I mean, I guess I understand why that's something to hold over her head. But, like, he should not want Bob to find out just as much as she shouldn't want (laughs) Bob to find out. Because, I mean, Bob could just come off and kill him for what he just did. So he's holding this over her head, but he needs him to not know as much as she needs him to not know. I suppose
1: too, it's it's just as much that idea of um, lording over someone else, like having, having that power, that control. Because yeah. that's a lot of what he is, is having control over his own situation.
0: Yeah. And at this point, she's leaving, and she says, I think I wrote most of this down, and it turned out to be important later, but she says that she will pray that some power of justice grabs him by the throat and drags him to a mirror and makes his true nature known to himself and the world. That's not exactly what she said. It was, I think, a little more poetic than that. But basically, she wants something supernatural to happen to him to make himself realize what an awful person he's become. Exactly. So, basically, Scrooge comes to the realization that all this is happening because Mary prayed that he would have this awakening. And... Apparently that's true. Like at first I thought he was putting two and two together where they didn't go together. But by the end, it's pretty clear this all happened because she prayed for it to happen. Which is an interesting wrinkle to add to the story.
1: That is. And it, it shows it shows an interesting power that I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it works, but it doesn't. I, I don't know how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know how I feel about a lot of stuff in this.
1: Yeah, very true, very true. Like to have that much power to bring Marley back from the dead and to do all these things. Like, where was Marley's spirit? Was was he just gone at that point? Like when the movie started? Because his spirit, he was obviously like, "What? Well, where am I?" You know, just let me rest.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's probably one of those things that we're overthinking we it. You <laughs> shouldn't think too much into it, but at the same time. They thought way farther into the story than anybody ever has before. So right. they're kind of asking for people to overthink <laughs> this.
1: <laughs> That's very true. And again, there are, parts, there are parts of it, like learning more about Marley and seeing some of the things that brought Scrooge to that point was really interesting to see. But some of the ways that they went about it were not the ways I would have necessarily chosen.
0: Yeah. I wouldn't have chosen to do a lot of things if I were the one writing this story. <laughs> true
1: very very true i suppose that's why we're not writing it <laughs> yeah.
0: i think this is about the end of his time with past he says that the second spirit will arrive at midnight i think past goes back to marley at this point yes and marley is asking like did it work has he changed and he doesn't say anything he just leaves so he went back to marley and left immediately which didn't make a whole lot of sense but uh whatever well
1: (laughs) marley was a terrible fire keeper i mean did you see how low the fire had gotten
0: (laughs) that's true the fire was much smaller at that point (laughs) (laughs) basically just sitting there waiting for it to go out i
1: guess
0: (laughs) yeah uh he's already dead (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) it goes to christmas past had to go uh chop down some more christmas trees and toss them on the fire to restoke it
0: (laughs) yeah and as soon as past leaves the ghost of Christmas present shows up and you don't see their face, but you realize that it's a woman and Marley looks up at her and says, they're sending you. And it turns out it's Lottie. So his dead sister is now the ghost of Christmas present, which uh, on the one hand, I liked having her back. On the other hand, that didn't make a whole lot of sense for the story.
1: (laughs) That's kind of a running theme through this. (laughs) I think if anyone's going to be able to influence him in a positive way because it's a thing like regardless of what was being said the all the ghosts were working towards trying to make Scrooge see his ways mm-hmm. you know they weren't forces against him they were forces for him a, a bit they were objective forces for good
0: mm-hmm. well at this point there's another reference to science experiments that I I don't think the whole science thing gelled very well but Scrooge is basically trying to apologize for not caring like not knowing I guess I don't know trying to apologize for the past basically Mm -hmm. and she says something about her being a scientist in life and she has something to show him you like experiments don't you and I I don't know what the experiment is supposed to be because they get to the Cratchits and this is supposed to be the first case study. So I don't know how this was an experiment at all <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure either. I guess it was because, um, and then they start talking about how when people are in high emotion, they can see spirits. So you get Mary mm-hmm. seeing kind of on and off uh, Scrooge kind of throughout their, as they're celebrating Christmas.
0: There was more than once where you had somebody seeing one of the spirits like scrooge as a child saw alibaba when the ghost of christmas past was alibaba and he made some mention about like children can see spirits if they need to or something and i didn't think that made a whole lot of sense but whatever (laughs) well
1: and it's oftentimes like you hear people talk about how they saw ghosts as kids so i mean there's a little bit of precedence with that but
0: maybe that's what they were going for i don't know it didn't seem to add a whole lot to the story.
1: No, not really.
0: But they're at the Cratchits, and they're finishing the presents for Christmas. And the presents is that Bob is fixing Belinda's ice skates, and Mary is writing and illustrating the story of Icarus for Tim. Yep. And that's that's it for Christmas. But that makes sense, and I liked that they did that because they have no money, so they're making. I, th- I feel like they're making more of an attempt at thoughtful christmas presents than you normally would get from a story like this where people would just say well we don't have any money for presents and then everybody's sad
1: right exactly. trying to
0: make the best of it
1: or christmas isn't about presents it's about you know us together as a family you know
0: yeah and as much as i like that sentiment it always kind of falls a little bit flat especially when kids are involved because like kids want presents and not that kids need presents but in a situation like that, it's nice to give kids a present. Oh yeah. It just feels more authentic to have them making the best effort at getting presents for the kids rather than it being about uh Christmas is not about presents or whatever exactly. they want to say.
1: Well, and to it it it's kind of a like with a lot of other stuff about this version, it does take a slightly different turn on the lore that you've seen in a lot of other Christmas Carol movies. Mhm. So do they actually I forget do they actually actually have Christmas at that point or do they go and come back?
0: It's sort of Christmas happening fast. Like they're watching different bits of the day. Right. And they're they're not leaving. They're just watching different things happening. There's a quote here from Lottie that's the presents scene and then something reminds Mary about Scrooge and she leaves. I think that's when she sees Scrooge.
1: Yes. And then she also sees him at the end when they go to leave. She tells him, she basically says, He's get out, out of my house. Get out of my
0: house. <laughs> like, uh, I, we'll get to that. I have, I have a thing to say about that. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're talking about like the dishonesty between Mary and Bob because of her keeping this secret. And Lottie says, the absence of money, a family can survive. The absence of truth, it cannot. True. And Bob is trying to ask again about what happened. And she is seeing like a hazy image of Scrooge. Like he's there sort of in what she can see. And she she decides to lie again. And she basically makes up a story about she got the money because there was this old lady she was taking care of who was losing her mind. And she asked her for some diamonds. And Bob is really happy that she's told him the quote unquote truth. And then they go back inside because he has something to tell everyone. And he has a job offer and he will be quitting his job with Scrooge. And if you remember, Scrooge made some comment about Bob not finding out as long as Mary made sure that Bob never quit. So she's really upset because she's just she thought she'd gotten out of this by telling this lie and now with everything's gonna unravel anyway. Yep. And she's saying they just need to get Christmas over with, and then she's got something else to tell him. and at this point Scrooge is realizing he's a a bad person and he's like he wishes he could talk to her he's going to tell her that he it doesn't matter even if Bob quits he's not going to tell him it's going to be okay and Lottie says that they need to leave that there's nothing he can do right now and at this point I think she sees him again and this is where she starts like basically screaming get out of my house yep and Like, nobody knows who she's talking to. She's talking to Scrooge because she can see Scrooge, but nobody else can see Scrooge. They have a guest for Christmas. (laughs) So is this guest thinking, like, is she screaming at me to leave? (laughs) They never make it clear. Like, they don't, like, zoom in on the guest and make it seem like she'd think that. But, like, if I was a guest in somebody's house and then the host just started randomly screaming, get out of my house, I would think they were talking to me.
1: <laughs> well, she's listed as martha cratchit so she must be like
0: i think she's like a sister or related somehow
1: right she must be a sister-in-law because well, huh? yeah because the last name's cratchit
0: oh, so right. she, but no she's i mean not that this could be one of those things where it's race blind casting but like we i we i guess we never mentioned martha is black and bob is white but if she's related on Bob's side, she's black also. So I'm trying to think how that would work. Maybe it's just like theatrical casting; like it doesn't matter what race anybody is.
1: Well, but and they do they do mention um, that she's a widow, so she may, might have been like if uh, Bob maybe, had a
0: brother, it could have been his his sister-in-law. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. That yeah, that is probably what happened
1: that would be my guess but
0: okay yeah that makes sense
1: (laughs) we worked it out yay (laughs) (laughs) one less mystery of this movie (laughs) (laughs) so then they go to um they go to the church right
0: yeah after this they end up she just says it's a valley far away and they're at a christmas day memorial service to i guess it's for everybody who died in the mine yes because the kid at the beginning is there and she says that his father died in the mine collapse. So basically, apparently he just goes every Christmas Eve to pay his respects. To Molly.
1: <laughs> I do. I do like the, that. Like just the idea of that, like that is a proper, I don't know. I, I can't say I would do it that, but I am, you know, I, I like the just the way that they phrased that. I thought that was kind of funny.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess. How many of these disasters happened on Christmas? Because I'm thinking now, the mine thing, I think, happened on Christmas Eve, which is why he visited the grave every Christmas Eve. The thing at the factory happened right before Christmas. Did that explosion at the beginning happen? Like, is Christmas cursed for anybody who works for Scrooge?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I would say so, because you look at Marley died on the 23rd. um, (laughs) And then... Ebenezer died, like, when they get to that point, he dies on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, Mar- or Mary had to go to Scrooge's house on Christmas Day.
0: Yeah, every, every bad thing happened on or right before Christmas. <laughs> wow. I don't know if that's good writing or bad writing, I can't decide.
1: I mean, definitely you don't have to have, you know, you're, you're keeping it pretty concise as to his checkered past. But I can see why, uh, why he doesn't like Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Even when he causes it. So yeah, the, they leave the church and then they go outside and there's a memorial toll of 17 ponies that died. Mm-hmm.
0: Which I think affects him more than the people. Which, okay.
1: Which I suppose if he was, if he was let down by, you know, major people in his life, it is probably easier to associate with something that he would considers innocent. That's true. That's kind of what I got from that side of it maybe. Yeah. Cuz you know in the in the book, you know, he has that affection for tiny Tim and you get that here too but it's in a different way. Mhm. It's more kind of a proxy thing than it is anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, he says something in here about like if he was given given the time to do over again everything that he's done. Like first he says something about not reducing expenditure on the timber but then he like changed it and he said he would not be himself. So basically he's regretting everything that he's done, but he's still making excuses too. Because he says something about, he regrets what happened, like not being thankful to Lottie, but he still says something like she, she came with her carriage and gun too late. And he says something like that is my defense. And then they kind of sit there silently for a while. And she takes his hand and says, Ebenezer, when the next spirit comes, please don't make any excuses. He is the terrible one, the unknown one, and the one who decides. He has no interest in the past, only what lies ahead. Right. Which, as much as I have had a problem with a lot of different things that happened, lines like that I really like. I really like that scene and her delivery there.
1: Oh, it's it's excellent. Well, and it's, It cuts through the bullshit. It says, you know what? You've been able to lie and make excuses to us to this point. But there comes a point, like if, you know, if you're talking about the ghost of Christmas future as essentially death, which to some extent it is, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it is black and white. When you're dead, you're dead. You know, there is no going back. When you face that, there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. You can't lie to yourself. So it goes back into the church where everybody was previously but the church is now decrepit. It's clearly in the future and it's been abandoned for quite a long time. And he gets looking around and you see like all these dark shapes and stuff, but it's just the building itself. And then you see a shadow come up and it's the ghost of Christmas future. And his mouth is uh, sewn shut because no one knows what's going to happen in the future. or mm-hmm. He's unable to tell what will happen.
0: There was kind of a weird scene where he picks up the church bell and throws it through the wall. I wasn't sure exactly why they did that other than just like, this would be cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There was the call. um, So with Marley, they rang the bell and that's when the spirits came. And I think in that moment, Ebenezer says that same thing or something to that extent about the bell ringing, you know, and spirits being called. Okay. Which I think those are the only two places that shows up really. So death takes him to.
0: His office is next. Yeah. This is where Bob is writing his letter of resignation. So they're in the future, here too, but only like a day or two.
1: Right. It was the 26th because it was the day after Christmas.
0: Yeah. So he's writing his letter of resignation and Belinda runs in to tell him that Tim had an accident. Taken her ice skates and gone out on the pond alone. And then they run off. And Scrooge looks up and the ceiling has been transformed into the lake. So it's like he's on the bottom of the lake looking up, but he's in his office and this didn't really make sense, but I loved the visual.
1: <laughs> oh, the visuals were incredible. It well, and I can see what day. they were going for. Like they wanted Scrooge to experience what Tim was going through.
0: Yeah. From inside the lake, he's seeing Tim going over on the ice skates and the ice breaks and he falls through the ice and it's, it's like he's like slowly falling down into the office but it's in the lake and he's sort of suspended in midair it looks really cool i really liked the scene
1: yeah it was actually one of the i mean i think it was you know top three visuals of this movie yeah a movie of gorgeous visuals
0: yeah definitely very memorable
1: Yep, and it impacted the the impact that it left with scrooge was palpable you could see it in his face they Mm -hmm. really he really didn't say much but he didn't need to
0: hmm this is where he sort of starts to break because he wants to change this like he asked the spirit if this is something that he can change because lottie said that she was the one who decides and he's wondering if he can decide to change this
1: that is one thing though earlier on with ghost of christmas past he said that or the ghost of christmas past said i am what you see to some extent or i am i am what you make me And I'm not sure if I misunderstood that or if that was... So, I mean, all the ghosts that he's seeing are kind of based on his responses to some extent.
0: That's true. I don't know. I don't know if this is something that we're overthinking or if this is...
1: (laughs) Probably. (laughs) I, I don't know.
0: Well, like I said, they've put more thought into so much of this. It almost begs for overthinking because they wanted to explain so much that's never explained that when they leave out explaining something, <laughs> we're going to look for more explanation.
1: Oh, agreed. hundred percent. And yeah, there's no doubt about that. So then we go to the Cratchit's place again and Tim is dying because frostbite or the, the cold and basically took him out.
0: Mm-hmm. And Scrooge is basically saying that he doesn't care about anything. He just wants Tim to live. Right. And tiny Tim is like there, Just like staring at him, so he's supposed to be like he's in between life and death, which was kind of an interesting, yeah. Mean. Even
1: Scrooge Scrooge even brings it up at one point. He says, "You know, is Tim dead? Is he alive? Is he in between?" And then you hear them cry because Tim has passed.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think he's something happens. He ends up out on the ice where Tim fell through, and he breaks through the ice. And then suddenly he's in his house and the mouse is there again. I don't think anything happened with the mouse, he was just there. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be years later. He's reiterating he doesn't care what happens to him. He's only worried about Tiny Tim. And I think is his body there?
1: Yeah, he sees his um there's a there's a body covered in a sheet, he pulls back the sheet and it's him dead.
0: Okay. I thought that's what was supposed to be happening. Yep. I wasn't 100% sure. I just thought it's maybe supposed to be his body. But yeah, so then they're back in the graveyard and the kid from the beginning is now grown up and he has a new target, which is Scrooge's grave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you drink a little bit more so you can cover both graves. It's only fair.
0: Yeah. So I don't think he cares. I think he says, he does he make some comment about deserving it i don't remember exactly what happens there yeah
1: that was basically his point was he deserved whatever he got
0: yeah he's still worried only about tim and he's wondering what happened to him and then you see the cratchits are in the graveyard and they're visiting tiny tim's grave
1: but then he also sees that they brought a picnic and how regardless of death and everything else you know it was still christmas they still celebrated there at tim's grave
0: hmm I thought that was kind of an interesting detail because I don't think a lot of people know that graveyards used to be sort of like a park. Like, people would go and visit their family's graves, and they would, like, take a picnic and make a day of it. Oh, yeah. Like, that used to be a thing. Like, we don't really do that these days, but, like, no. that used to be a thing in the olden days, and I thought that was an interesting little detail that they added here.
1: Well, you think Day of the Dead in Mexico, I mean, that's essentially... Yeah, a continuous a continuation of of that of that idea.
0: Yeah, it it continued down there, but not in America. It kind of the practice died off in America. Now it's like you go on Veterans Day or whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever Memorial Day, you leave a flower and that's it. Yep, basically.
1: So then I'm trying to think. There was one more thing that kind of pushed him over the edge and kind of that kind of set him free. Oh, he shows back up with Marley. Like Marley shows back up.
0: Yeah. It's at the point where he's watching the Cratchits and I think he's asking why the spirits came to him and Marley is suddenly there and he says something like he doesn't know why they came to him but it has to do with their redemption and their joint liability. Right. Marley says something like he asked the spirits if he could have a final try with Scrooge and all he wants is for Scrooge to admit that they were wrong and Scrooge says something like, no, I refuse to change All their efforts were for nothing. I refuse redemption. And I was like, okay. But it's not like he's refusing to change for the sake of he wants to stay evil. It's more like he's doing it because he thinks he deserves this. He doesn't deserve redemption. And he doesn't care what happens to him. Like, still, the only thing he cares about is Tiny Tim. Like, all he wants is for the spirits to spare Tiny Tim's life. And then you see that the spirits are still there and they're watching. And then they. They all kind of look satisfied and leave. And Marley is gone, but then you see him lying down in his grave. So I think that's what they were waiting for. Like him realizing that he deserves anything he gets and his caring about only Tiny Tim. I guess that's the the catalyst. Not for his own redemption, really, but for things to start changing. Because it's pretty clear that he's not being fully redeemed. Like I said at the beginning, this is not really a happy ending as much as it's happy for Tim because the fate has changed. The Tim, his grave disappears at this point. So Tiny Tim is not going to die. And that's the main bit of happiness that you get other than, I guess, the hope that Scrooge will become a better person in the future. Exactly. But you have this whole weird scene where he's running home because he sees the grave has gone. So now he's happy. He's running home. He slips on the ice, and there's this old lady who was going to be sprinkling gravel on the ice, but she forgot because it's Christmas. So that's the key. Like, time has rewound. This is Christmas Day again.
1: He basically says she spreads it because it it helps, you know, it keeps people from slipping, even though it's not technically her property. And he goes mm-hmm. into, you know... Um, something done good for without without ask for thanks basically or something something to that extent much more eloquently other
0: people without expecting something in return
1: ah there you go that's exactly what you said it much more eloquently than i could
0: (laughs) but he he makes a remark about something like he this is a whole new philosophy of life that he's never thought of before encapsulated in a handful of gravel and then he steals her gravel (laughs) he runs off and he says forgive me which at first i thought it was weird but then i then you see what he's doing he's he's throwing it all over the ice which again i thought was weird but then i realized he's doing this so that people won't go out there and skate the only thing is even though he threw the gravel all over the ice somebody could still come along with a broom and sweep it off
1: exactly (laughs) Well, and, and obviously the people that are more in tune with the, with the pond are going to know where not to go.
0: Yeah. So
1: basically true. he's just, you know, kind of screwed up people's, you know, Christmas afternoon.
0: They're going to have to take some time to clean up his mess, but it, it'll be fine eventually. <laughs> anyway, he throws all the gravel around. He says something like, no one will skate here this Christmas. <laughs> like It's supposed to be this triumphant thing, but it was whatever. But then he goes back to the Cratchits and... Like we said earlier, it's awkward because oh, it, problem before. If it were me, not that I would have done anything that he did, but I would have wrote a letter, to try and fix yeah from a distance.
1: Send a send a carrier pigeon or send a giant turkey and be like, "Hey, I'm so sorry." Yeah, <laughs> and so, Mary, you, Mary, you know that thing that we discussed? Yeah, don't worry.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. The last like. 10 minutes 10 15 minutes i i I get what they were going for it it generally makes sense like the, the realizations that he came to with marley were really cool and the fact that he was able to by going through the whole gravel thing he understood it like understood a different philosophy in a way that hit him where he lived you know it it's like when you have different methods of learning you know some people are visual some people require more you know someone speaking to them more he understood it on a fundamental level Mm-hmm. But everything after that, I don't know. It just, it made sense in the context of what was going on, but overall it left me kind of scratching my head.
0: Yeah. There's just a lot of actions that leave you scratching your head sometimes in this Yeah, this whole thing. But anyways, he ends up at the Cratchits and he says that he has three things to say and then he'll leave. And he says that he knows Bob is leaving. He doesn't explain why. They're wondering why. He just says he knows. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he's okay with it. Bob has his blessing to leave because tomorrow he's closing down. He's shutting everything down and he's going to be giving Bob a check for 500 pounds. And his second thing is talking to Mary. He says he was visited by three spirits who grabbed him by the throat, showed him a mirror, (laughs) her whole thing, the whole thing that she was going to pray for. He basically says, you got your prayer. Your prayer was answered. And the third thing he says the pond has been rendered unusable for skating and Tim is to stay home and read his book and learn to fly instead.
1: Cuz the book was something like it was it was Icarus. Yes. So was a- yeah that that whole thing it's cool that they they went that direction but it's just like I don't know teach the kid to skate properly and let's let's start with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was just weird. The whole thing was weird. But whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he, yeah, agreed. <laughs> he basically he tells them that he's finally been made to understand what it means to be human and then he's leaving mary says she'll show him out then you get the whole thing with like this is this made the most sense to me like after all that he'd done i did not want her to forgive him like even though for her own mental health it probably would be better for her to forgive him but she doesn't need to give him that satisfaction of telling him no. i forgive you so i liked where she ended up mentally with this whole thing she says i do not know what's happened to you and i don't care your 500 pounds will be welcome but it will not buy forgiveness which good he doesn't he doesn't need <laughs> that no and after what he put her through it, it yeah so he basically says he doesn't expect or want her forgiveness all he cares about is the future and he's going to be the best he can be something like that from now on he i think he thanks her for sending the spirits and then he leaves and there's this scene of him walking through that's where you get the the camel line and the people talking in the background and she's she's watching him through the window and this is this is so weird i didn't i don't know what they're going where they were going with this, what they were going for she's just watching him and she says spirits past present and future there is still much to do and then she turns and looks directly into the camera and that's the end
1: yeah <laughs> that was so weird yeah, I don't know if that was meant for other people or if it was meant for Scrooge. I, I don't know.
0: I just, I don't know. I don't know what they were going for there. It's like, sequel! <laughs> no, I don't want a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas, cool. Carol to
1: <laughs> Christmas Carol 2, Electric Boogaloo. Christmas Carol 2, Carol Harder.
0: Why do I feel like that would be something that the asylum would make?
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they would. <laughs> Only it wouldn't be that clever. It would be something really dumb.
0: <laughs> Christmas Carol 2, three-headed ghost. <laughs> now they're all one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, about, that's about what it would have to be. Oh, God. Would you prefer that direction or something more akin to Santa Claus Conquers the Martians?
0: I mean, if somebody wanted to do a version of The Christmas Carol that was in the same spirit as Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, I would prefer that. Because even though that was technically a bad movie, it was still entertaining. Oh, very much. I don't know if I want to watch some monster movie about a three-headed ghost attacking Scrooge. (laughs) 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 Or whatever they would come up with.
1: It switches heads, it's like, um, it's a three-headed thing, but it's all in one thing, so it like turns its head and its hat, or it's, you know, Jolly Ghost of Christmas Past, and then it's Pragmatic Ghost of Christmas Present, and then it's like, freaky death of Christmas Future.
0: I mean, <laughs> I guess the idea does have potential, it just needs somebody who's a good writer to work on that. Uh,
1: you're, not, you're not going for much if you're going to have him go through the asylum.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: You're going to have every person that ever played Santa show up in, you know, ragged Santa costumes and I don't know.
0: We should probably record an outro. Well,
1: should we, should we give our final thoughts, I suppose?
0: Sure. I guess <laughs> my final thoughts are this is the very definition of a mixed bag. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really liked a lot of things in this. The production value was great. I, I don't want to... The, the script is where I had the most problems, but it wasn't because it was badly written. It was just the choices made in the script that I did not like. So in that respect, there were parts of the script that I really liked, like some of the lines, like her line at the end talking about the next ghost that was coming, the Ghost of Christmas Future. That Lines like that I really liked. The thing that I didn't like was how dark and unnecessarily edgy they were trying to be
1: yeah that's fair
0: yeah that just felt like it brought the whole production down to the point where even though this was technically a really good miniseries i don't think i'll ever watch it again
1: (laughs) (laughs) well and i find myself i actually you know i I guess i mentioned before you know you have i have that set list of movies that i try and hit every christmas and I can't say this is one that I would hit every Christmas, but it's definitely one that I would consider adding to the rotation of ones that I go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was definitely intrigued by the way that they laid it out. And I genuinely enjoyed a lot of it, just like the the fact that they went more in depth. I mean, you know, and it's not a, it's not a comparison by any stretch, but you look at the movie Cats or you look at um, Chicago and you do... With the movie versions, you do get more in depth bits on all the characters in the movies than you did the plays, and this kind of felt like that we got more of Marley's backstory. We saw a lot of what happened with Scrooge. there was a lot more play on the characters that you know you learn about in passing, but you don't get much of who they are as people
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: did enjoy like the the kind of diving in and going, well, what brought Scrooge to this point? what brought you know Cratchit to this point?" but yeah, there were definite. There is that fine line with any movie where you can stretch it to its limits and still keep it what it is. And there are parts that were unnecessary, like you said. They they felt like they were going for edgy, and that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did like the incorporation of um, not necessarily historical fact, but the things that were present in that time, and the fact that it wasn't. I wish it had had more of a happy ending, but the fact it kind of left it as a little bit more human, I guess, or a little bit more Mm -hmm. like everyday life type of thing. Mm -hmm. I I didn't mind that so much.
0: It made sense for the story that they ended up telling. Right. It didn't make sense for what I wanted the story to be. I
1: I understand. (laughs) I can see the range of the reviews that I read where it said, you know, it lacked a lot of the stuff that made it what it is. So I think for people that are very much into what a traditional Christmas carol is, they may have a hard time with this, or it might be intriguing to them. For someone like, I know for myself, I love a Christmas carol, but it's not something that I live and die by. And it was definitely, it was an intriguing premise. I'm glad I saw it, but I think it's a very select group of people that are going to enjoy it. I think it's either going to be a thing where you're going to love it, or it's going to be something where you look at and go, you know, it was okay. It had good points, but by and large, yeah, I guess come for the maybe don't come for the story, but come for the beautiful visuals and the filming and just the acts or the actors and what they can do with it. Cause like you said, it was so well acted mm-hmm. and the moments where it shined, it really shined.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you've listened to the podcast, but you haven't seen it, you basically will know whether it's something you, you want to watch or not. Because I think at the points where it got to be too dark for me, there's going to be a lot of people that they're not going to want that from a Christmas carol. But if you hear that and you like that twist, then yeah, go ahead and watch it. But I think for not Christmas carol purists, but like, I don't know the average person who likes a Christmas carol because of what Christmas carol usually represents. I don't think they're going to like this version because it doesn't represent that. exactly. But it does have an interesting twist to the story that if you wanted a darker retelling sure you'll probably like this
1: you know what it actually makes me think of so you know um the amazing spider-man adaptation of the spider-man movies like they didn't they didn't include uncle ben's line about with great power comes great responsibility there was Mm -hmm. a lot of those things that we consider specific to spider-man that weren't in there they did other things or variations on those things and this kind of gives me that same vibe because they never say, God bless us, everyone. There's different things like that that don't show up. Or mm-hmm. they take their own their own take on those things. And this is really what that feels like. It's It's a companion piece. It takes kind of the narrative structure from the original, but then it kind of goes in its own direction with it.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: For better or for worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's going to be all for <laughs> this episode.
1: <laughs> Hopefully no more jaws falling off
0: uh yeah (laughs) you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you
1: oh certainly certainly uh you can find me on youtube at trivial theater and um that's spelled theater with an er because i'm generally not that fancy um (laughs) do a wide range of movie reviews um random obscure and straight up bad movies i do a lot of animation with the way i present things also quite a lot of trivia when i can so stop by check out a review say hello Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Trivia underscore Chick. That's Trivia underscore Chick, and that's Chick without a K.
0: Okay, and I will have links for easy access in the description. Okay, well, thanks for joining me. I think we will probably see you next month for something that I'm not going to say yet.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's going to be exciting, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll see you later. Take care. Thanks to Nikki for joining me for the last episode of this season. If you want more from her, I'll have her links in the description below. This will be our final episode for 2020, but be on the lookout for a final mini-episode to wrap things up, and rest assured we will be back in the new year. I have plenty of new stories for us to dive into every version ever. Thank you all so much for listening this past year. I've loved making the show for you, and I can't wait to see what the next year has in store. See you in 2021!